welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome back to the Built on Air podcast, season 11, episode 5. Good to be with you live today. We've got the whole crew back together. Got Camille and Allie with us back together. Good to see you two again. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Good to have you back. And myself, Dan Fellers, are back with you each Tuesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. We do our live show. And uh, I'll walk through what we're going to be talking about. Built on Air podcast is always a four-episode segment. And we always start with our round the bases, talking about what's going on, keep you up to date in the Airtable communities. Then we'll do a spotlight on our primary sponsor, on Air. Then if he joins us, we're expecting a special guest with us, Alex Radley, joining us from New Zealand. So uh, hopefully he got his time zones right and will be joining us shortly. And we'll be learning about uh, his, I made that title too long, uh, how he runs his business all on Airtable. And then a quick spotlight on our community and how you can join. And then finally, Ali is going to walk us through an automate create on summarizing point in time data. So with that, let's get started with our around the bases and talk about what's going on. So last week we spotlighted that uh, that Airtable put out their monthly wrap up of what was launched. And so we thought, oh, they're not going to put out any more features for the end of the month. But no, they did. Even after that summary, they put out some more stuff. So Camille, with you being the calendar expert, you want to, have you gone through the new enhancements with the calendar stuff? Sure. So um, a while back, they uh, transitioned the timeline. Yes, the timeline app into a view. And when they did that, they uh, added some ability to have a flexible label. Before, with calendar views, you could only use the primary field as the label on the timeline block. Well, when they made that transition, they added extra labeling features, including bolding, italicized, and underlining things. And then most recently, they uh, added that similar functionality to regular calendar views as well. 
So instead of only having to use the primary field, you can now use one or more fields as your label and then bold certain parts of it. It doesn't work exactly the same. Um, I think sort of general consensus, it's a little bit finicky. It's still a step in the right direction. I think we were all hoping that they would add this to the calendar view. Um, I think it doesn't quite stack as well, I think, as we'd hoped. Like long lines don't really wrap um, but that's a simple fix if they, you know, end up fixing it. I don't think that would take long to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, definitely an improvement. I, for years, have heard this complaint about calendars of being able to display different fields. Um, so they're definitely moving there. I also think, uh, I also think that the expand record issue that was addressed in this thread um, needs to be addressed of like what shows when you click on the expand record view um, they have like a mini view that shows just a couple uh, records yeah it will show like the name of the field and then the start and end time because it's a calendar but if you had multiple fields selected as your label it would be helpful to see those fields in there um, or someone else suggested just skipping that mini view altogether and just opening the whole record. I could see it going both ways. Yeah. 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 So yeah, good. Uh, yeah. Scott and others had some good inputs. Um, yeah. I, my reply in there is what, what in the CSS yeah. you'd have to change. <laughs> Cause I went in, I, it, I assumed it'd be easy to do and it's easy from the outside to do, but it depends on how they're actually compiling their code. Um, if that's something you have to do up front or something that you have to do after, you know, the, the view is processed, if you will, there's a, there's technicalities for whether or not what I've suggested would actually work. But, you know, I think it might be a simple fix. Some of the uh, issues I see. Yeah. I love that. You're like, here's the code that you need. We'll fix I, it for you. <laughs> I've, I've done that before in like my, not necessarily with Airtable, but like, in my day job, when I'm a planner, there's like a software that planners sometimes use and there'd be things that would bug me and I would just go and find the code and be like, do this. <laughs> and sometimes they do it and it would fix it and I could sleep at night. Yeah, yeah, very good. Scott chimes in, um, believe that in order to see a field in the expanded view, you also need to see it on the calendar interface itself. They should be separated. Good mm. point. I think you can... I could be wrong about this, but I think as long as if you open up, if you expand the record and then you look at the hidden views, there's you can right click on, I mean, excuse me, hidden fields. You can right click on one of those and say show or hide. And I think that not sure what these changes, if they affect it or not, but I just set up a bunch of calendars in that way the other day before this change. Yeah, there's, you know, there's. Uh, people were bringing up if you share a calendar view, you know, it's very particular about which fields you want to be shown to people when they expand it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, I think I've seen people recommend two separate toggles, one for display and one for um, what's shown in the expanded record view. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know. Uh, I, yeah, I think if you so I think when you click on when you click on a calendar, you have to click to the expanded record, and then from there you can make something above the fold. Right, and then I think to add to what Camille just said is, say you had turned on one of those fields as a label, and I don't know if this is 
true or not, but I think even if you had that field hidden in the expanded view and you shared the calendar, like a, a, the share view link, um, that might still expose it as not a hidden field. Like if you are sharing a view that's grouped by a field and that field is hidden, um, it automatically unhides it when you share it because it's still part of the view that you're sharing. Dan, can you go to a weak view, please? Well, it's hard to tell because our episodes are an hour long. If you had a longer event, you'd be able to see more clearly that there are multiple fields selected as labels here. Um, yeah, it's tough. Let me give it some more room, maybe. Nope. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, and that and that was like even if you could highlight it and see all the yeah, my in my opinion, you should hover and see that mini yeah. mini view that shows up. Mm -hmm. But clicking, I think, should open up the full record, or at least that's my preferred user experience. I would agree. I don't like that you have to have an extra click to expand the record. There, it, it seems a little odd, especially if the other label fields aren't shown in that mini view. Mm hmm. I mean, so there's no way to, and I haven't played with these new features as excited as I am about them. There's in the timeline view, how you can expand or adjust how tall the record mm -hmm. is. Is that not available here? It's not. And I can kind of see why, because yes. the, the height is, you know, relative to the height of the hour. But right. I guess, I mean, that's not, I don't think people would be mad if you could just make how long an hour appears visually longer, you know, yeah. so. Exactly. So that's where if you do go to day view, then you've got the full width to see everything. Well, yeah, because it, it was like what I was saying before is it couldn't wrap. The long right. lines can't wrap. And now it doesn't have to wrap because it's so wide. It's taking right, up the right. whole day. But if you had a longer event, you'd be able to see each of those labels, at least on their own line. And each yeah. line wouldn't wrap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so definitely something that at least they're looking into hopefully they're not done with iterations on this and there's more enhancements to come so it's one of those a good friend of ours says a half-baked uh, solution at this point <laughs> yeah part of it comes from like the the code for the timeline view is like brand new because they just made it but calendar view has been in there for since Airtable launched I think and I don't think we ever talked about it on the show, but calendar view looks different than it did, I think, a month and a half ago. So I think they quietly updated its code and then started to add features like this as it went. Yeah. So it matches some of the newer features and it's going to take, I think, a little bit more for a uh, calendar to be, you know, where where we would like it to be, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so... I did see, let me see, there was some comments from Airtable employees. What did they say? Uh, you're likely seeing the URL alongside your image because the attachment field is still toggled. If you toggle the field off, it should show as text. So that's about seeing like a full URL for images. If you yeah. have an attachment field in the toggle so and that was the other thing I don't, I don't know if you addressed is you can actually show images as well so you can pick a an attachment field yeah. to display an image they used to allow this like years ago and then they took it away and now it's back 
That's awesome. Oh, really? I don't remember. That I don't remember that either, year. but it, it might have been before my time. I think it was like right before, like it was, I don't think it was ever available when I was using it, but I remember reading somebody's post on the forum being like, why can't I do this anymore? And they were like, oh, sorry, we de deprecated that feature. Ah. Very cool. I'm going to um, bring in our guest, Alex. Hey, Alex, good to have you join us. Hey everyone, sorry, it's uh, just past 3 a.m. in the uh, morning here in New Zealand. So, yeah, good morning. Thanks for uh, waking up for good us. <laughs> so, we're just talking through um, different uh, updates and then we'll learn more about your story in a little bit. So, feel free to chime in as we talk about what's new going on in, in the different communities. So, we just covered uh, the new calendar enhancements. Um, why don't we move on to the next one? So this one I thought was interesting. Um, Camille, you got tagged on this. So I don't know if you saw this. I don't look right. I saw it just recently. <laughs> so this is a good one. Uh, so somebody's asking, creating an automation to send out emails every first Monday of the month and how that's possible. Um, so Adam chimes in with, with some, uh, actually a formula that you provided on how to determine the day of the week. Yeah. So Adam modified my formula, the original post um, he's linking to someone asked, how do I find the last Thursday of the month? And this person is asking, how do I find the first Monday? Um, and so he, he basically interpreted the method I went with for this separate use case, which just kind of goes to show you adjust the number slightly, but you could use that same approach to get to what is the third whatever of whatever month. And basically what you do is you include a weekday function to get uh, you know, the first of the month or, or whatever, um, and then using a switch formula to figure out, well, if that weekday of whatever selected date is a Monday, we'll then add two days if you're trying to get to Wednesday. That kind of uh, logic is what's being done in the formula. Yeah. So very good. I think uh, Rebecca also in the built on air community was asking kind of a similar uh, type question. So yeah, seems it's, to be going around trying to figure out dates. I think it's a common sort of conundrum. Um, and it's a little tricky because if you use weekday formula, uh, days are numbered from zero to six, zero being Sunday, six being Saturday. And so you just have to remember what the appropriate day is if you're trying to get to monday that's not what it's one it's not two yeah um so yeah always gotta remember that zero based and start day of the yeah. week so yeah that's always as everybody knows uh dates and time zones are the probably most challenging thing to figure out in their table yeah and maybe regex, we'll throw regex in there as well. <laughs> All right, moving on. This is a kind of a high level question. I thought it'd be good to get um, any input on this. This is uh, building a CRM, um, Gaston. I just wanted to say his name, Gaston. Um, and dealing with prospects and leads. So if you come from different databases, um, different CRM systems, they, they deal with this differently. So I know 
having worked in the Salesforce world, uh, they treat leads differently than active like accounts that you're working on. And you kind of have to throw them over the wall and convert a lead into an account and a contact. And so usually that's a decision that you have to make if you're building a CRM. Do you do you treat everything as kind of like a top level entity or do you create a separate entity for your leads, which you're likely going to have much more of? So it's a higher quantity, but you don't have as much information about them and then have some kind of conversion process. So just general ideas, how if you, those have a, that have built CRMs, how do you typically abro- approach that challenge? Well, I have not because I, I don't need my own CRM. But the first thing that comes to mind is um, having a table for prospects and having the, their basic sort of information. And then I think this person was saying there's a checkbox for did they agree to join, meaning are did they become a lead after, you know, they progressed from prospect to lead. And then that having a filtered view saying if the checkbox is yes, and then having a synced view somewhere else, either the same table or same base or a different base that is only pulling from that view. And then you get extra fields associated with those, um, you know, fields that were pulled in from the prospects base. So you're not, necessarily duplicating information you're still sort of linking things together uh but that does mean that every record in leads has to be a record in prospects because it's a synced table you can't have fresh records in the leads table if that makes sense right i think i struggle with this as well whenever i'm trying to set up like if something involves leads and contacts and projects starting I mean, the, the, the rule that I try and follow and like what I teach other people to follow is if I want to update someone's email address, I only want to go to one place to update that email address. And so I don't want to have two lists, just like your your point, Camille, like that's I agree with exactly that. Like I would have one contact list and sometimes I'll have a leads table that links to the contacts, because in some use cases, you might actually have somebody that submits more than one inquiry, like they're like, oh, I want to start a new project with you. So I'm going to reach out again. Um, so that would actually be two rows tied to the same contact. Yeah. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah. So lots of different ways. Um, I Yeah, I've kind of done it both ways, depending on clients that I've been working with, um, what makes sense. So I don't know that there's a right answer here. Really just kind of depends on on somebody's specific use case. Exactly. But uh, definitely worth thinking about as you're building out your system. All right, next one, moving on. This one's from the Built on Eric uh, Slack community. Um, Russell asks about comparing two IDs. Let's see if I can make this bigger. Um, so why can't I compare two IDs or compare two strings in this find records condition? So this is relating to um, understanding arrays. And if you're not super technical, trying to understand like some fields treat values as arrays versus strings. Anybody want to cover the differences there and how how this got resolved? Um, I don't know how this got resolved specifically because I don't think I was in this thread, but in 
Airtable and JavaScript and a lot of coding in Zapier and Integromat, et cetera. An array is basically a list of things. A list could have one item in it, or it could have several items in it, or it could have no items in it. But the idea is it's a collection of things, and that collection might be empty or it might have one or more things inside it versus a single value. Um, for Airtable, for instance, a single line text field is a single value that is zero or more characters long versus a rollup, which might have um, an array of values because it's pulling in uh, values from one or more or zero or more linked records. So you sort of are running into an issue where um, Airtable or whatever system is expecting a list and it doesn't always matter if the list is empty, but it has to know that it's a list. Mm -hmm. it's, it's expecting to sort through um, more than one option versus being fed a single line text field or a checkbox or a date, which is just a single data point. Mm -hmm. I think there is, there is a bug, I think, in automations where sometimes they don't, they actually only give you the length when they should give you the actual like value as well. I've, I've seen that before too. And I can't ever pin down exactly when it happens. Cause sometimes I'll be like, this should work. I don't know what's going on. And other times it works with no problem. And I can't figure out, is it something I'm doing? Is it something that is just random? I don't know. And I see now that apparently I'm in this thread and I don't remember at all. <laughs> yeah. It was a whole five days ago. <laughs> well, I blacked out. I don't remember. I think there is, I think it's when you use a roll-up. I think it's sometimes when you're using a roll-up field in an automation, it only gives you the length or... And, and that makes sense to me because lookup and roll-ups are the fields that are wonky. Um, lookups are technically always arrays, but sometimes Airtable interprets single values for you as a single value. Yeah. Rollups can either be an array or a single value because some of the array functions explicitly say, keep this as an array, but do something with it. And some of the functions say, join this array into one single value that happens to have commas in it. Um, and so you're, it's sort of a toss up between whether or not it will be treated as a, an array or a string. Um, it should be predictable based on what aggregation formula you're using. But like Ali said, sometimes it just won't let you pick the value and only the length, which is not, which is to me has never been useful. The, yeah. it's, it's, it's useful for um length will tell you how many items are in an array mm -hmm. i have never needed to know the length of a single item which will say how many letters are in the word apple i've never right. needed to know that right, right. Yeah. yeah agreed There's yeah i think go ahead yeah go ahead i was just gonna say the way that i've gotten around that problem when i run into it is i'll just have a formula that reads it if i need to yeah. for the automation um but yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's one thing. Um, yeah, a couple tricks. We should probably do a field focus on this. I think it's really important for people to understand, especially roll-ups and that difference that, that you mentioned, Camille, of 
some formulas stay as arrays and others don't. And Yeah, and you can chain them together, actually. You, uh, if you keep it as an array, you could start with, like, array unique and then array compact or the other way around and then go to array join. And it's you have to do it in a specific order. You can't start with array join because that will convert it into a string. You can. I mean, I always start. I mean, yeah, it does. It, you're right, though. It does convert it into a string, but usually that's what I want. So, ah, okay. Um, but if you start with array join, it makes it easy because at the very the last parameter you can pass it is your separator string. So whatever yes. you want with it. I was thinking if if you're chaining multiple of those together, you right. have to get rid of null values first and then join it together. Otherwise, it won't. You can use anyway. Any, I have a keyboard shortcut set up for array join, array compact, array unique values. Mm -hmm. And that that works to get to do all the things that you need to do. Yeah, we, we'll we'll, we'll do a segment on this because it, yeah. it's useful. Yes. Yeah. Good stuff. So yeah, so if you're running into issues that, that likely could be a culprit, um, maybe need to convert. The other thing you can do with rollups or, or lookups, a lot of times with lookups, I'll create a formula field that might just convert it to a text so that you know that it's a string and not an array. Yeah, so, I, I've had to do that if I use yeah. it with Integromat or something because Integromat insists on it being an array no matter what I do. And so I have to force it to become a string somehow. Yeah, yeah that's how I literally I've I've the only time I ever use lookups are when I'm looking up a single select or a linked record field that yep. I want to retain the, the look and feel. Otherwise, I only use rollups and convert them all to strings so that I don't have to worry about that when I'm pushing data to Zapier or whatever it might be. That's true. All right, very good. We're gonna we're gonna move on. I'm gonna skip our Twitter threads. We'll maybe revisit those um, next week, but I want to make sure we get to uh, Alex's story. So we'll just end with this one. Ali uh, brought this to our attention. You want to cover what what Airtable's got going on? Yeah, it's exciting. They're launch launching their first national ad campaign, and it's titled "This Is How." Um, I'm excited to see what it looks like. Um, if you click on that article, they say that they're launching it mid-June to coincide with the U.S. Open, I believe. Um, so that'll be exciting. We'll all be seeing a lot more of Airtable, and then maybe people will know what you're talking about more often. Yeah, yeah that's cool. So, yeah, you might start seeing some uh, commercial airtime for Airtable. Mm -hmm. Be good. I'll be watching. I'm a big uh, tennis fan, so I'll be watching the U.S. Open. <laughs> Yay. Very good. All right. So that's um, what we've got going on in the Airtable communities. Um, let's give a quick shout out to Onto Air, primary sponsor. It's an all-in-one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. It's a suite of apps that allow any business who is seriously using Airtable to extend the capabilities and today we are going to talk, going to revisit our schema app that's um, recently launched in the marketplace. And I just want to show one feature. So what schema does is it allows you to visualize the uh, design of your data and go deep into it. You can see all the relationships. You can click on any field and get all the information, any linking between them, and then also see a history of all the changes that you make to your field. So very powerful. Um, and today I want to highlight the ability to generate an image 
So if you just click on the view print layout, it will um, generate a diagram and open up a new tab. So you got to make sure that, that you have it. Your browser allows for opening up tabs and then it will generate an image representation of your design. It will basically, um, it will basically generate an image of what you have displayed here. So you can create filters to just display what you want and then generate an image off of that. Then you can copy this image, put it into your um, design documentation or presentations or whatever you need. So very useful way to visualize what your data looks like, what your structure of your base looks like. So useful. Check it out in the marketplace onto air schemas along with our other apps there. So with that, we're going to now learn more about Alex joining us from New Zealand. Welcome, Alex. Hey, everyone. We'd love to uh, hear your story. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you've got going on, and uh, how you found Airtable. What What should we know about you? Can we get us yeah, here? Yeah, sure. Hey, everyone. Uh, first off, really sorry for chipping in uh, a bit late. Um, yeah, 3 a.m. here in New Zealand, and you can probably <laughs> say uh, New Zealand sometimes uh, follows the world uh, a little bit uh, in behind. Uh, just recovering from COVID for the first time. Um, and yeah, where this sort of ties into things is I probably came across Airtable um, about five or six years ago. I just uh, found, I just got frustrated with using documents and spreadsheets and everything more to just plan and organize like everything that goes on in life, you know? Um, and I came across, uh, yeah, these 12 categories of life, uh, life pillars per se. And I just found it such a super important way to, yeah, just kind of categorize all of that. Uh, obviously with, you know, solely spreadsheet data, uh, you are kind of limited to what you can add in there. Um, and it does get a little bit messy when you've got, you know, two, 300 records and you're trying to work out which concepts link to which, but. Uh, I've been an early adopter ever since. And um, as I kind of used it a lot myself, uh, I was similar to the, the points in the room before around, hey, there's a national advertising campaign. Uh, even less people in New Zealand know about Airtable than, uh, you know, anything. And uh, there was a recent headline where Jacinda's signed a deal with Microsoft. Uh, and everyone seems to be stuck on uh, teams and it, you know, that's, that's sort of where we are, um, you know, based, um, we do have a lot of really cool, uh, technology and we're, um, yeah, moving, moving in different areas. Um, but, uh, you know, as a country, uh, we're actually going through the moment, um, what I'm quite, uh, linked to is a, uh, industry transformational plan. Uh, which is basically how do we modern, modernize and digitize our industry. And um, my current role, I'm uh, chief product officer of a plant-based jerky company, Off-Piece Provisions, coming to America soon. But uh, to basically run and operate our business uh, in a startup uh, kind of way, I've built out a suite of kind of um, bases specific to different business departments. And uh, where I'm at now is uh, kind of sharing those bases uh, with 
uh, you know, small to medium sized enterprises in New Zealand, um, basically to give them open access, uh, getting funding to have a couple of grads uh, running and uh, coaching on those bases. And uh, yeah, basically putting that in the mixer with uh, how the government and industry moves forward in terms of uh, new tools and technologies to run industry on. Uh, I was sort of talking Dan about, um, yeah, there's a supply chain module uh, deep in the depths of uh, the built on air uh, website. Um, and yeah, I've got a, got a base on that and also in production and uh, manufacturing and innovation. So that's uh, probably a bit of a ramble uh, from where I'm at, but a total fan of Airtable um, and have been, yeah, sort of dropping between uh, a little bit of technical, but more just really uh, simple uh, concepts and how that relates to business everyday um, principles. Yeah. Cool. Maybe um, what kind of things do you track like in your personal life with Airtable? Are you one to kind of track all aspects of your life in there? Um, yeah, mostly in a way. Um, I think where I've got it to at the moment though is uh, you can spend a lot of time tracking and doing a lot of time there. Uh, so I think at the moment, I guess I've used it for a long time. Uh, so where I sort of get to now is um, just a really simple kind of vision board almost uh, where you're tracking your key goals. Uh, and I find that just a way to um, sort of signpost and just kind of reorientate if, if something moves and uh, you want to kind of update something, uh, having a just even a visual record there um, and all your points can kind of help reorientate yourself when, you know, you're, you're juggling a couple of startups and uh, or everything else you sort of time for. So uh, at the moment, I'm using it in a way in which um, it's very light kind of engagement. Uh, but if I need to drop into, you know, your own personal CRM or uh, I, I like to think about it as, uh, you know, standards to sort of live by, you can kind of drop in and update those. But I guess I've sort of developed it over a couple of years. So I know it really well uh, and just kind of uh, pretty light engagement at the moment. Yeah. Awesome. So why don't we uh, dig into what you've got to share with us. If you want to get your screen ready, I'll bring mine up real quick. Um, and we'll go through your base. The screen didn't turn out the way I hoped, um, but as far as transforming advanced, I will say while you get that ready, my next door neighbors are from New Zealand and I need to give a shout out to them. The Wisharts are the most kind, amazing people in the world. We love them to death. They spoil my children. And uh, so if they represent all of New Zealand, they are amazing people. We love them. So shout Thanks, out Dan. to the Wisharts. <laughs> sure, sure. All right. Why don't we, do you see where you can share your screen? Yeah. Yeah, Bring it I wanted now. to do that. There we go. Kev, now we can see it. Yeah, I'll probably I'll uh, just step back a moment and look at um, it's coming under a, a sort of a brand name called Rad Kiwi, uh, mm -hmm. Rad.Kiwi, and that's uh, sort of a site that's in development at the moment. Uh, to basically, um, yeah, showcase all of these bases, uh, 
kind of behind the name. Uh, we've got the, the kiwi fruit emoji. Uh, it's probably one of the simplest ways to visually identify um, uh, basically New Zealanders. Uh, and uh, just a kind of a light sight at the moment, uh, but we're kind of talking to paving a prosperous path for New Zealand uh, small to medium-sized enterprises in the advanced manufacturing industry. Uh, and basically that is a government initiative at the moment uh, and sort of uh, promoting um, basically these services uh, into this area. Uh, it's actually going live uh, in about six hours here in New Zealand time. Uh, ah. So really trying to front foot it uh, and kind of get Airtable uh, right up there. And uh, the way I sort of see it and have kind of built it out is we've got a whole sort of uh, talent uh, management uh, and kind of whole rostering uh, time roll system uh, working on an integration uh, with zero. Uh, you guys might have uh, come across the Zero software uh, made in New Zealand, and uh, they've got quite a good uh, payroll system where basically uh, within the single kind of Airtable base, uh, which has got uh, things such as, you know, your org charts, your contracts and everything uh, sort of pre-built into it. Uh, you can also have all of your time tracking uh, that links straight to payroll. Uh, and, and employees get paid. Um, this is uh, built out a little bit more for... So and how much time do I have before I ramble on? Yeah, we probably got about uh, 10, 15 minutes. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, so I'm a little on the fly here, but uh, basically this was uh, something I developed out for um, our... Um, basically the jerky side of the business. Uh, we're basically taking uh, sort of Amazon-based uh, uh, revenue uh, and data from our Amazon backend, and we scrape and pull uh, basically competitors uh, for our off-piece sort of uh, plant-based jerky brand, and we can come in and we look and tracking at all of, um, you guys might know some of these brands or not, um, depending how close you are to the plant-based uh, space. Uh, but we're just using this as a really uh, powerful tool to inform uh, how we prioritize uh, our efforts. So this is scraping everything from uh, nutritional information to product shots, uh, flavors, uh, price points, uh, and other sort of Amazon uh, information. Do you, uh, do you use a specific tool for the scraping? Uh, so it's a little bit of a hybrid uh, of using uh, basically the um, Zon Guru tool to get to the Amazon back end to look at uh, all of the price sales data. Uh, and then uh, we just overlay, scrape the uh, what's actually on the on the site and step through that. And actually, um, yeah, can you keep it on the screen just so it doesn't go to the infinity universe one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Infinity mirror. Yeah. Uh, so basically, then we can pull out uh, all of the kind of unique selling points that brands are having uh, around the world. Um, we in this kind of base here, we're tracking uh, all of the different. This is sort of a just a light CRM at the moment. Uh, basically, competitor names, brands uh, in the area, 
SKUs we're developing. Uh, basically, this for us is quite uh, useful in terms of uh, we can just sort of see all of our pack sizes all in one place. Uh, and then we've got basically a, um, uh, you know, basically all the timelines for new products coming out all in one space. And uh, basically when when I sort of shared this, you know, within our team, it was kind of consolidating about three different areas of the business just into one place. Uh, and uh, basically, uh, we just found it super uh, useful uh, to kind of inform our whole kind of uh, revenue generating side, our NPD process. Uh, the whole point here around uh, quality control and compliance, uh, we were looking at uh, software which basically has um, uh, features and functionalities uh, and it was going to cost uh, about $10,000 uh, to get the world's sort of best practice uh, system uh, in place and uh, again just able to uh, look at um, kind of taking all these features. So this replicated, there's a software called QPulse. Uh, and I just kind of, uh, we sort of generalized a bit of the, the information here. Uh, so it's, uh, we can just share it. Um, and yeah, we managed to kind of replace all the functionality of a software called QPulse, uh, which looks like this. Uh, and basically their software starts um yeah around sort of ten thousand dollars for world's best practice uh and for a startup uh we you know couldn't quite stomach that uh so we're able to use Airtable to uh build out all the features uh and again just sort of be in the same sort of uh kind of environment and ecosystem uh we're using it a lot also to plan out all of our capacity uh, we wanting to track uh, if we can uh, look into, uh, you know, uh, buying new uh, production sites uh, and then basically the overall process to build out a whole new uh, functioning plant. A lot of this uh, relies on uh, Gantt charts and um, but also is able to take what would usually you know, be across several different um, financial spreadsheets, uh, different tables where we've got information on assumptions on pieces of kit um, and to, uh, you know, basically all of the comments, um, which, you know, was very hard to track uh, using uh, basically Excel and um, the processes that uh, our consultants were using. Uh, and just, again, I couldn't believe that uh, out in industry, um, yeah, I mean, I guess they were just working with tools that they've sort of grown up and uh, worked with. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, it was just very hard to keep track of a project uh, which has so many different aspects. Um, and we were able to, um, yeah, we're also able to do the this whole 3D fly through through uh, to see um, basically where uh, you know the, how the whole plant would look, 
uh, right through to all of the different sites uh, and approvals. I think that's the first time I've seen anyone make use of the 3D space app because it just right. doesn't it doesn't come up for a lot of people. It's just yeah. you know not really a a dig on the app itself. It's just not you know something many people need per se. But like that's interesting that you're able to use it to sort of plan out you know, the physicality of your business as well, not just the sort of linking relationships together data wise, but planning out physically what it might look like. Yeah, and that's a, a really important point. Um, I'm just trying to see, I'm just trying to work out, you know, I, we didn't, weren't able to build out a whole uh, kind of generic uh, visualization at the moment, but uh, if people are watching uh, sort of live, uh, sorry for putting on a poor show, um, but um, this is kind of the whole idea. And, and on Airtable, uh, they give, that's new to me, uh, but yeah, they have these sort of generic environments here where you've got like a table and chairs. But uh, when you're building a big plant that looks, uh, you know, it's, you know, probably 10, 20 million dollars. Um, what you're trying to sort of get the similar functionality is is something like this. Uh, obviously, we're not doing it quite as complicated, but again, for a small business, uh, we were using 2D models, but it's very hard to kind of uh, visualize the whole plant. Uh, and one of the features that I really liked about the 3D Space app was you can uh, basically walk around a, a new building that, uh, you are making uh, and for anyone that's kind of involved with the design process uh, you can just have a single table which looks at each of these elements and you can kind of see them in real space you can click on it you can see the cost the arrival date um, and just found it really uh, streamlined uh, rather than jumping again between several different uh, platforms um, and is there a um, maybe just as we wrap up? Is there any tools that you still depend on that you haven't been able to replace with Airtable yet? Uh, yeah, this functionality does have uh, quite a bit of limitation around uh, you know dimensions and uh, sure. being able to orientate things. But uh, for what it was for us in terms of a high level kind of view and how you'd work 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 around things. Uh, it was yeah super useful. So uh, the main limitations uh, generally I'm coming across, um, yeah, just sort of working through them all. Uh, really enjoying the onto air apps uh, and what's in the community in terms of uh, kind of uh, bringing in functionality from outside of Airtable in. Uh, so that you can uh, yeah basically operate different areas of your business out of it. Very cool. That's some good stuff. So yeah, you're definitely fully uh, dependent on on Airtable. I love to see companies that you know are doing things that. I mean, there is like that other solution, but that's probably not everything that that you would have been able to do in that platform. So I just love to see how you know companies that are using Airtable for doing stuff that they couldn't do otherwise. It's awesome. And it sounds like uh, you're introducing the entire country of New Zealand to Airtable in about six hours. That's exciting. 
we got you up nice and early so you can prepare for that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you could wait up for it like Santa. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Thanks for you, for Alex, for uh, coming on, sharing with that. And where can people find you if they have any questions for you? Uh, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, building out that site there. And the whole idea is uh, just kind of... Uh, combine best practice apps into one place uh, for different functions of the business. Um, but um, yeah, and those will be sort of up online for free. Uh, so I'll share those with the community. Awesome. Very good. Rad.wiki. And then you can also find Alex in the built on air community as well. So glad to have you as part of the community, Alex, and for sharing what you what you've been building. It's awesome. Also in the comments, Garrett said you did great. Oh, yeah. perfect. Doing great here. Awesome. Very good. Before we move on to our last segment, just a quick plug for the Built on Air community. If you're not already in it, um, join. If you are in it, tell your friends, your colleagues, your coworkers to join the Built on Air community at builtonair.com slash join. Uh, meet other amazing people doing amazing things in Airtable, and we'd love to have you be part of the community. And if you've got something cool that you're building and working on, we'd love to see you uh, showcase it on the podcast. So feel free to reach out if you've got something to share. With that, our final segment for today, Ali is going to walk us through an automation that's really cool. So let me get your screen. There you go. Excellent. All right. So I just pulled up um, the project tracker template that Airtable has um, just to use uh, to apply this use case to. Um, it's not the best use case, but I made do. Um, and what I'm about to explain can be like tweaked, changed, added onto in so many different ways. Like there's so much you can do with this. Um, so I'm gonna keep it really simple so everybody can keep their creative creativity um, flowing here. Um, so here we've just got a table of projects I, it really irks me that it's called design projects. I don't know. It just seems strange to me, but either way, if I was thinking, I would have renamed it. Um, <laughs> so here we've got this category column and this use case is dealing with like, what if I want to see, I can very quickly count how many are in each category currently, right? I've got six, four, two, four, but if I want to be able to like look back in time and maybe this is like a status field instead of category, um, but it could be really whatever you'd like it to be. Um, if I want to look over time and say, all right, like how many um, projects two weeks ago did I have that were in industrial design? Um, and what does that pattern look like over time? And are we spending too much time on particular projects? Um, you know, over time, looking at that point in time data. So whether that's daily, weekly, monthly, Kind of like the same way that um, you can kind of compare different segments in um, Google Analytics. Uh, this is kind of similar to that. So it'll allow you to kind of capture that data and put it somewhere so you can look back on it and review how you're doing over time rather than just the current totals. Um, so essentially here I've got this reporting table set up. Um, and right now I'm just kind of basically repeating that category field, which I would probably recommend against um, just because you're going to have to keep this in uh, sync with this category field. 
And currently there's no way to automatically do that with at least not within one script. Um, so there's a million ways you can do this, but essentially I have a script that will run every week. So I've chosen to do this weekly, every Sunday at midnight, and then it's going to run a pretty simple script um, where essentially I just go and select everything and I'm selecting everything on a particular view of the projects table. And I'm doing that where this category field is not empty. So you could of course have this filtered however you'd like if you don't want certain records to affect your totals, um, you can filter those out. So I'm just picking up everything on that view and then I'm feeding that into this count by field function, which is actually just pulled right out of one of Airtable's example scripts um, for their custom report, I believe it is. So basically it's just gonna go and look at all those projects and then look at the category field because that's the field I'm saying it needs to look at. And it's gonna just group up all of those records um, under each of those category names. And then it'll create one record for each one of those categories and give you the total number that was in each one as well as the total number that's being counted. So that way you could uh, use that to get a percentage of like, oh, we had week over week, we usually have 22% of our projects in healthcare design. Um, and let me just demo really quickly if I test this. Hopefully, it's taking its time. Oh, lovely. Live demos. <laughs> no field matching project. Okay, yep, I deleted that before this live demo. So now I'm just going to rerun that. And there we go. Added today's numbers. And then this allows me to I close this and open up apps. You could do this in an interface as well, of course. But now you can see, um, you know, week over week, what your totals were looking back in time. And That's super nice. Thank you. Very simple, but there's a, it's very powerful. You could really add on to this to get some really complicated, complex data. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of a pretty important because you can do it kind of with the grouping feature, but then you can't create charts off of those grouping sections and so i think there really is power for creating specific line items and being able to kind of take those snapshots right. uh, is very useful in all aspects of um you know managing data and reporting absolutely and there, there's a million ways to approach this too like you could you could actually do this without a script um but i think the script is probably least impactful on performance because this does involve if you were to do it without a script it does involve a lot of really complex roll-ups and linking relationships that can slow you down yeah 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 i was gonna say you'd probably have to have a linked field to do it without a script <laughs> yeah i would link everything to one record and then get your totals on that record with like conditional roll-ups and then you yeah. can just have an automation that goes and finds that one record and then creates but you would have to loop though, if unless you have only a set number of categories every week. Right, right. Sorry, yeah. I get excited. <laughs> no, that's good for reporting and whatnot. So very useful uh, technique. And um, 
Thank you for sharing that. And Ali, something you mentioned, there's not an easy way to sort of sync field options between tables. That was an app I was considering making. And then much like all of my ideas, I just sort of abandoned it. But, uh, you know, the idea that if you have one single select field somewhere, you could sort of copy its field settings to some other field. Um, but exactly. like, do I need to release this? And the answer is always no. <laughs> so, so I didn't. But uh, that's not that's still not automatic. That is a, a manual process. You'd have to go in and go to the app and select which field and all of that thing. There's, there's really no easy way to sort of do it natively. Exactly. Yeah. I really wish there were. I mean, at that point, like, if I had more time before this demo, I probably would have I've been making like pick lists as other tables recently and then having like a single select look up from the linked record. So you can still filter the same way as you would. Um, mm -hmm. But that way you get that, that list is referenced, you know, over wherever else needs it. So you don't have to have several different single selects. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty clever. Uh, it's one of the things I am like in other systems, like uh, Glide, um, there's there's no single select field, uh, like there's an Airtable, there's just, you can reference another table. And so that list of records in that table become your list options. And it's, there's pros and cons to yeah. sort of either approach and, um, you know, using one table as your list, but also having a single select in that table yeah. does, like you're saying, allow you to use that single select field as you're like your grouping, your sorting, or your filtering values, which mm -hmm. is very useful. Whereas linked records, you're sort of at the mercy of just alphabetical. Yeah. Um, and there's no colors associated with it if you wanted to color code things. So it's, you know. And when you're filtering, you have to type in. Yes, it, it has to exactly match <laughs> or like you have to use contains instead of you know, kicking from the defined list of things. So it's not as convenient as a single select or multi-select would be. Exactly. So I typically will do like that whole table. I'll just have single select as like the second column in, and then I'll have a formula that reads that single select. So that way you still don't have to type it twice. Yeah. It's confusing for anyone that needs to add new things, but once they're trained to do it, it's easy. Yeah. If they could just get coloring for the linked records so it looks like a single select field. Yeah, there's yeah. a, I think there's an argument to be made for having a, a color field type where, you know, you just pick from a color picker or something and having that associated with a record because, you know, there's a color palette app for, yeah. but it doesn't, you know, I think, I think it would be helpful if you could, even if it, they were to limit it to the, whatever, 32 or some odd colors mm -hmm. that are Airtable branding colors, even if it was just those colors, I would still want that feature to be able to associate linked records with a particular color mm -hmm. um, and have that show up in the other fields it's, or other tables it's linked to. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting if there is an actual color field type. <laughs> cool. I, yeah, I'd love to be able to have it selecting because like, I use the color palette thing a lot for color coding we have between locations for my family's business. Mm -hmm. But I'm constantly like, what if I need to, if when I first set that up, I had to switch between, you know, Photoshop and the eyedropper tool and like 
having to go and find the hex code and paste it in. And I don't know. Yeah, it'd be really cool to be able to do that all natively. Very cool. Good stuff. Thank you for sharing. And thank you all for joining and Alex for, for representing middle of the night. We appreciate you waking up early for us. And with that, we'll conclude this week's episode. We hope you join us next week for episode six. Until then, please share with us what you've built on air. Take care, everyone. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor ontair.com and we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast. <laughs>